This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. You have this moment, oh, exhale, oh, we just had five years of the car payment. And then you exhale and you don't do anything with that $378 in the first month that you've been doing something with the other previous 60 months. And before you know it, before you get to that second month, you've absorbed it into your lifestyle, opportunity lost. And so we encourage people at those big moments to measure your power percentage before the moment and after the moment to see what happens. Ideally, and here's the glory of power percentage, it stays the same. dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about how to go from being a financial disaster to a millionaire. After doing this show for the last five years, I've heard from a lot of people that say they feel like a complete financial disaster. They're making great money, but they're just sort of disappointed with what they have to show for it. Well, our guest today has dedicated his life to fixing financial lives just like this, and he's helping to transform them into millionaires. Peter Dunn, aka Pete the Planner, is the CEO and founder of Your Money Line, a corporate financial wellness solution, and Hey Money, a direct-to-consumer solution that connects people to friendly financial experts. He's also a USA Today columnist and author of 10 books and the host of the popular syndicated radio show and podcast, The Pete the Planner Show. Pete has regularly appeared on Good Morning America, CNN Headline News, Fox News, Fox Business, as well as numerous other multimedia publications. When he's not fixing financial lives, Pete loves to spend time with his wife and his two children in Indiana. Welcome to the show, Pete. Andy, thank you for having me. It's good to be with you. Absolutely. Well, Pete, we kind of touched on it a little bit in the introduction. When did you decide to dedicate your life to helping people go from, I guess, financially lost to this millionaire status? It's funny, when we were considering this idea years ago of really putting a name on it, we were well aware of the clickbait nature of of saying we want to make people be a millionaire. But what we decided, it's just honest, it's 100% honest because I think where people struggle financially is it's okay to say, I want to do the best I can, but it's this nebulous undefined target at the end, which makes it hard for people to accomplish. And so we just said, all right, we did the math and and literally most people are going to have to be a millionaire. And so why don't we just put our our flag in the ground and say, Hey, uh, by the way, you're going to have to be a millionaire. And it's not from a value of wealth, right? Because sometimes people talk about being a millionaire because they want people to to think abundantly and we want you to be rich. I'm not that guy. This is about being practical. Andy, if you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s to successfully retire, you're going to need a million bucks easily. So that's what we did. Absolutely. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's good that you call it out because when you say, I guess in the media, I'm a millionaire or whatever, there's a lot of flash that goes along with that. The cars, the boats, the whatever. But if you break it down, a healthy 401k, you know, a home that has some good equity in it, that's a millionaire, right? 
Well, I mean, you think about one of the best personal finance books ever written, The Millionaire Next Door, right? And it's, yeah, I remember reading that years and years and years ago. I think even before I was in the business, and it and it's just like, it's a real honest approach of a millionaire status is is not flashy. It's just become flashy. I have this really old hot take because I'm an old man now that this focus on millionaire status clearly started with, you know, Robin Leach and Lifestyles of Rich and Famous. But I feel like it really went crazy when MTV was airing Cribs. I swear that is the inflection point of this lifestyle focused financial mind to the detriment of all of us. Yeah, it's a lot what can happen in the media and and built up to that effect. Well, let's talk about some of those people who are maybe listening and they're like, hey, I'm making that good money, but I want to get to this place. I guess what leads people to be in this difficult situation in their cult, their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, where they're making good money, but they really don't have anything to show for it. What brings people to that situation? Yeah, there's a few different things. I think anytime you have a financial challenge, there's only two solutions. And understanding that is is elementary to, to solving the bigger challenge at hand of, of retiring successfully. So the two ways you solve any financial challenge from a cash flow perspective are to cut expenses or to earn more money. And most people think the better way to go is to earn more money. That's why they're tickled to get a raise, to get a promotion, to get a bonus, to have a side hustle. And and I think that's all great, and I'm not poo-pooing it. However, the more practical and longer-reaching solution is is to cut expenses. And this is not about being frugal. Andy, instead, this is about improving your resourcefulness so that when new resources come in, they actually matter. Because if if your solution is always get more resources, that does nothing to address the resourcefulness at hand. And so it becomes this wild goose chase where, where people never get the satisfaction they they want. And, and I'll also say a big part of this, too, is simply acknowledging that retiring successfully will be the hardest thing that anyone ever does in their financial lives. And when you tell that to people, which is what I do on a regular basis— you see them just glad, well, okay, buddy. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's sure. No, no, no. It's true. And what's funny about 2020, and I say funny because I couldn't think of a better word because there's nothing funny about 2020, is that we had what, what we like to call finite despair. 2020 was this period of time in which it stunk. <laughs> For a lot of people, it was hard financially, spiritually, relationally, everything, right? It was hard. But we all knew it was finite. Right. Even if you're still struggling, you know it's somewhat temporary, right? You you know it's gonna go away. Guess what failing at retirement is? Infinitely desperate. It is infinite despair. And so if you can get people to understand that the biggest challenge they've ever had in their financial life, not only was it bad, but it was finite, but the biggest one they will have could be infinite, then you can get them to understand that they need to begin to solve the problems that they didn't realize were problems. Absolutely. Well, let's talk to the person who's maybe feeling that, you know, they're like, okay, I know I need to start making some improvements. What are some things that I can do to start getting, I guess, motivated? Because financial despair is definitely a way to motivate too. What other ways can somebody say, hey, I need to get off my butt and to get this stuff done for me and my family? Yeah, I think I agree with you. The uh, fire and brimstone of telling people <laughs> infinite despair is you, on the horizon. Yeah. It's probably not the way to go. <laughs> I, I do believe it has a lot to do with mindset, even, even with admissions of your career earnings are finite. You know, you will have 
you know, I, I, the number I'm going to say doesn't matter. I'm just literally picking a number out of the blue. You will make $2 million in your career. It will have to fund 80 years worth of living. Assuming that you began working at 20 and you, for some reason, died 100. That will be probably 40-ish working years in 80 living years. So you, you need that lifetime earnings to last. And, and I think a, an easy way to, to get your head around this is when you think about our favorite professional athletes that we love to make fun of their struggles, but they are receiving lifetime earnings and some of them get their head around that idea and are able to sustain themselves forever and others aren't. And, and again, it's become culturally appropriate somehow to make fun of those folks, which I, I disagree with. But it's interesting to put it on in our own lives and say, hey, I, I have a career earnings too. How's that going? What percentage of my income am I using for good to move me forward? We created something a few years ago called power percentage, which is a way to take what you're putting in your investments, what you're putting in your savings, what you're paying down in debt each month. Then you divide, you add all those things up and then you divide by your gross monthly income. And it gives you a percentage of your income, which is moving you forward. And, and for us, that matters because it's saying we don't care how much money you make. We don't care how much money you have, but we do want to know how efficient you are with the income you are earning. And sometimes, Andy, it's the paralysis of the beginning of the journey that that stops people in their tracks. So we like to say in our parts that we don't shame beginnings. And I think sometimes when you're looking to take your efforts into the fruits of your labor, you need to acknowledge that it's okay that you have to start somewhere. And it's okay if you're embarrassed that you're not putting anything in your 401k, but these little metrics can help. Yeah, I think that's a great way to do it, especially because everybody's got different income, everybody's got different expenses, different lives. But if you put it in that percentage system that you talk about, power percentage, that's something that you can build up over time. And I think to your point, maybe somebody who's having this wake-up call in their 30s or 40s saying, man, I got to get going on this. Don't get demotivated by all the millionaires or all these things that you see out there. Like, what are the steps that you can start taking? So let's talk about some of those first couple of steps. What are some easy focus areas somebody can take to get their financial life in order? Well, I mean, obviously acknowledging that the most important and hardest task that you're ever going to be faced with is probably the best place to start, right? So I'm of the belief that you can either leverage time or you can be a victim of time. And so that is to say, we got to begin with putting money away for the long term. You got to put money away in, in some tax advantage vehicle. It can be a 401k. It can be Roth 401k. I'm, I'm sure all of your listeners are well-versed in all of these things, thanks to all the good work you and your guests have done over the years. But th that's the first place to start because it's the hardest task. I, I think another element to this, which begins to inform the answer to your question, I think a lot of people are confused and, and mistake comfort for stability. They have a comfortable life. They can afford their car payment. They can afford their rent. They can go out to eat. They get to go on vacation. They're like, hey, things are going well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easier than it used to be. We get to go to better restaurants now. So yeah, we're doing good. So their metric is this sort of abstract comfort as opposed to a more objective financial stability, which is a destination. You know, we, we think there are 10 factors of stability, right, that, that can be measured from retirement savings to what percentage of your income is going towards housing to are you current on your bills to are you putting money in non-qualified vehicles? 
And, and so when a person understands that their own stress level should not be indicative of their financial health, then they begin to actually measure things. I mean, if people who are interested in personal finance also often care a lot about physical fitness. I mean, I don't want to make any weird generalizations here, but it's true. And the reason is metrics, because I can go for a run today and I can go run for tomorrow and I can look at them and say, did I get better? Right. I can step on a scale and say, am I eating right? Can I do the reps that I want to do when I'm lifting weights? And I think people in personal finance just need better metrics. Net worth is an okay metric. The amount you put in your 401k percentage-wise is a decent metric. But but we've tended to create our own metrics that, that are, are, are more apropos to just the regular person. Yeah, I like the power percentage because that adds in other things like what I'm paying towards debt or what I'm doing to decrease my mortgage principal. Is that right? Totally. You're right, right. There's this idea that if you're trying to get out of student loan debt, that you're just trying to get even so that you're not, you know, 10 feet in a hole before you can get back to even ground. And our argument with power percentages, if you're grinding, a large percent of your income is going to pay off your student loans in this example, then a great deal of your income is being used to increase your net worth. Who cares if it's a negative net worth or a positive net worth? And, it, and again, it's that additional bit of motivation. I mean, Andy, you know most of this is about momentum, you, you know, a lot of this is about staying inspired to turn sacrifice into self-control. That's one of the things I learned probably 2017. I, I sort of got back on a fitness journey. <laughs> it was one of several. It's this idea that you're sacrificing for a while. And you're like, you got to believe and you got to stay motivated while you're still sacrificing. Well, eventually that sort of new decision, that new habit, it's no longer an independent sacrifice. It's Oh, that's who I am. That's what I do. That that is self-control. And it's finding that self-control and staying motivated during that period of sacrifice that can really pay off for people. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I like how you align both of those. I'm currently on an exercise kick, but I know that when I fall off, I fall off hard. If I say I'm gonna take a couple of days off or whatever it is, like if I'm not doing it every day, which seems ridiculous, that I fall off for months. So I want to align that to people who are maybe crushing their debt and they've eliminated the student loans and they've got this power percentage, whatever, call it 20, 30%. I don't know how the math works, but let's call that a good thing. And then they get to that point where they're like, hey, I paid off my debt. Like, I want to enjoy life a little bit more. Is that a slippery slope time for people to maybe fall out of holding on to a strong power percentage? But that's why power percentage is important because when you hit a monumental moment, I'm like, can you say monumental moment? I feel like they're the same route. As long as you don't say unprecedented. Yeah. Oh my God, it's the worst. <laughs> you have this moment that you you oh, exhale. Oh, we just had five years of the car payments. And then you exhale and you don't do anything with that $378 in the first month that you've been doing something with the other previous 60 months. And before you know it, before you get to that second month, you've absorbed it into your lifestyle, opportunity lost. And so we encourage people at those big moments to measure your power percentage before the moment and after the moment to, to see what happens. Ideally, and here's, here's, here's the glory of power percentage, it stays the same. If you're at 30% before you pay off your car and then you pay off your car and then that $378, if that's the number I use, then goes to your kid's 529, then it stays the same. It, there's no expectation it goes up, 
but there's also an expectation that it doesn't go down. You know, it, it, it's funny when people accomplish something financially and they understandably have this moment in which they they act like they've never been there before. Right? They, they sort of they they do an end zone dance. They get a 15 yard penalty for excessive celebration, <laughs> and you understandably sad that is right. You're like, yeah, you 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 paid off your student loans, but you just went on a ten thousand dollar European trip to celebrate, which puts you in the hole for the next 18 months. And yes, Andy, that is an extreme example, but it is one we have seen. It's about personal standards, right? I, I think all of our lives are easier because of personal standards. You know, some of us are vegetarians, and that makes our food lives easier, right? You, you understand your parameters. If I say I always max out my 401k, Andy, that doesn't make my financial life harder. It says, okay, well, let's work around that because that's who I am. If I say, well, I don't go into credit card debt, it doesn't make my life harder. It makes it easier because that's who I am. And, and so oftentimes when we say we're trying our hardest, awesome, neat, you can't measure that. And as much as we believe at our organization that money has nothing to do with math, we believe it's about behavior, you still need to measure behavior. And that's why metrics matter. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up, the code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello.
jump back into the show. I'm thinking of the person that maybe got to that point and they, whatever, did a big milestone thing, paid off the car or whatever, paid off their loans. And then they're excited because the situation they've been putting themselves in for that extended period of time maybe felt a little bit restrictive. And so they're like, oh God, I can't wait to take my foot off the gas. But is that the problem inherently to begin with, that it was not a situation that they could continue living with? Another fitness journey I went on years ago, more of a nutrition journey, I went with the low-carb approach, Andy. They had a name for it back then, but you, you and I don't want to deal with their legal department. But it was, it was that, and I was trying. I lost like 13 pounds in eight days. And my wife and I are watching TV and a Subway sandwich commercial comes on TV and I, their face, their fresh baked bread flashes across the, the screen and steam's coming off of it. And I was ready to fight someone. I was like, those sandwich gangsters. I was furious because my approach to weight loss was not sustainable, right? That I was pushing way too hard and there was going to be a release and it was going to be ugly. And, and it was. And to your point, I think sometimes when people grind on a financial goal, which I think is lovely, you, you have to account for life. You have to account for this idea that it's not, this is a crude idea, but it's it's not a financial lap band, right? And, and I, I say that <laughs> that's crude, but, it's, it's, it, but you understand this idea of like, there's going to be an issue if you push yourself too hard financially. And we often see that people swing back the other way. And, and, and what's so great about your show here is the relationship, the marriage aspect of it, because what often makes that difficult is that you've got to have two people in lockstep, two people to not only share views on money enough to have the marriage survive, but to also move them forward financially. And, and that's difficult given that almost everyone you know was raised by different parents than their spouse. Almost everyone. There's always that one story. But but yeah, that's why it's so difficult because we were all socialized by different sets of people who have different views. So to try to come together and do something very difficult is monumental. And I found that in my marriage and I've shared that plenty on this show and my wife shares it as well, is that, you know, we both come from very different backgrounds with money. And so for me to live on a certain amount of money feels fine to me, but for her, that's, it's a completely different situation. And so to blend those two worlds together takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to make that a reality. And that's why, you know, I talk about these hard charging decisions. I've gotten myself into a lot of, I guess, camps. I've gotten into the Ramsey camp with the extreme debt payoff, and I've gotten into the fire camp with the extreme save for financial independence. And what I've learned from both of those is that moderation wins, honestly, or or at least finding what your enjoyable daily life is and trying to add on to that. Yes, we can always spend more, we can always enjoy more, but what is enough? Maybe for people who are listening right now, if they feel like they have a bountiful amount of things, they're going to those more you know, fancier dinners and things like that, where do they start to try to say, hey, can I save a little bit more to increase my power percentage? Again, without going to fire and brimstone, because that's not really my thing. I'm not the shout down the mountain at you and scare you but the reality is you either mathematically on track to accomplish your goals or you, you aren't. And it's people's unwillingness to do the math, you know, to, to even talk to a financial advisor or go to an online calculator and say, okay, let's just say we keep doing what we're doing. What's going to end up happening? And then if people do look, for some reason, they don't believe it. 
Like they're, they're like, oh, no, that's not what's going to happen. We'll make more money. But it, it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. Recently in a column, I wrote about windfalls, right? This idea that, by the way, the origin of the concept of a windfall, I didn't know this, was that when a piece of fruit would fall off of a tree due to the wind, that way, it was a, an unexpected gift from the heavens. It was called a windfall. People just assume that a windfall will complete their financial tasks, whether it's someone dying or somehow there's extra social security money around decades from now that all of us get to share. I, I don't know what people think is going to happen, but they think something's going to happen. To me, that's pretty demotivating, right? It's this... It's this you just throw your hands up, ah, it'll be okay. It reminds me when I was a financial advisor, how people would never have a plan to save for their kids' college education, like very rarely. And, and part of the reason for that is they just assumed, well, the college is so expensive, it's going to have to change. So their solution was they wanted the entire industry to change so that it would work out. They think about that. They're like, I can make some changes or an entire universe will have to shift around me and my unwillingness to change, and then we're going to be okay. And I always found that understandably silly. I mean, I get it. I'm not making fun of those people because I've been that way in my life too at various things, but I don't know. I, I just think it, it's not just about effort. It has to be measured effort. And if, 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 you're, if you're sort of lost right now, step on the scale. See what's up. Measure your power percentage. Make sure that your contribution to your 401k together with your balance over time equals what it needs to equal. If it doesn't, well, wake up because it's time to get to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk to the person who is listening and they're saying, I got so many things going on right now. I know I need to fix this, but I just don't have the time to dedicate to it to improve. What would you say to that person? You know what? what's interesting to me is I look at different areas of my life as complementary to other areas of my life. If I work on physical fitness, my career takes off every time, every single time. If I work on my finances, my marriage improves. And so if you look at your finances and, and you try to figure out what's it really connected to, you know, for a lot of people, your finances are correct, connected to your career because we often think, well, I'll, I'll you know, kick butt at work so that it'll fix our finances. And, and that's, a, that's a swell idea. I tend to disagree with that. I, I tend to think if you fix your finances, it allows you to do better at work, to take more risks, to quit pressing, to take a job that's maybe paying less that it would make you happier. And fix your finances, you'll fix your career. It's not fix your career and fix your finances. And I, I think that's a natural connection for some people. You know, it was since I've been a kid, I always had this very weird belief that every single person on this planet is the best at something in a positive way, not like the best loser or something like that, but <laughs> the, the, the best at something. And if, if you take the time to figure out what is, it is for you and then look at the parallels to your financial life and say, well, how can I apply what my, where my talents lie or where my discipline exists and, and, and how can I tap that and, and put it into my financial life? And so I think... Frankly, Andy, that's what happens every time I get focused on fitness is that I, and I, I see getting up at 5 a.m. I see getting up at 5 a.m. when I don't want to get up at 5 a.m. And then that translates into getting a project done when I need to get it done, even though I don't want to get it done. Because if you're supposed to get up at 5 a.m. and you're like, eh, how easy is it to then eh, a project at work that you're supposed to get done? So 
I like that crossover idea. That's always been meaningful to me. I like how we, I guess, talked about this in the first portion of our conversation. That sort of stuff builds momentum over time, and you start to see it. And in the beginning, it's a little tough, but over time, it starts to become a habit. And then that becomes, I think, as you said, it's you. This is me now, and this is what I do. There's There's another additional element to that that I think is important, too. It's this idea of capacity. When you're a younger adult, you know, a task or an idea can seem very big and slightly overwhelming, but, but maybe you do it and you feel good. But as you get older, you realize that not only could you have done that, but now you can do three of those things, right? It's just this capacity for learning and capacity for stress and co- in a healthy way and capacity for all of these things. And I think that's why, you know, when you're in your, I'm 43, if anyone cares, when when you start to be in your forties and you realize what you've actually learned is a, your capacity has continued to grow. And that's just really helpful (laughs) when you're looking for motivation. It's like, I'm a, my capacity to parent and coach and teach and do all these different things. And not only that, I think it's also, you're more willing as you get older to acknowledge that you don't know everything. I think sometimes we're limited by our brain power in our 20s and 30s. I'll speak for myself. I was limited by my brain power in 20s and 30s because I was convinced that I knew everything because I had some early success. I think the greatest learning for me in my 40s is like, well, good Lord, I don't know anything. And I I say that humbly and I say it like, wow, there's a lot I got to figure out here still in a a positive way. Well, that acknowledgement in itself is relieving because you don't have to and it opens up the opportunity for you to learn more and i think it's it's beneficial so it's it's a good it's a good way it to is, live. it's funny I, one of my favorite sayings which is slightly related is in your 20s you care what people think about you in your 40s you don't care what people think about you and when you're in your 60s you realize that no one was thinking about you in the first place so you shouldn't have wasted your breath <laughs> and it, that that is like the ultimate reminder of like yeah, man, just slow down. It's going to be okay, right? It's it's not that not that big a deal. And we don't need to solve the world all in one swoop. Absolutely. Well, speaking of helping people with their financial situations, you've got this great product called Hey Money. Tell us a little bit more about that. So when I was a financial advisor, I often worked with people that didn't have any business having a financial advisor. They, they didn't have money to invest. They didn't have complicated situations, but they had complicated situations in respect to their own life. They needed expert guidance, but the financial industry wasn't set up to compensate the best people to help the people who needed help the most, right? It's, the financial industry is really built on taking people with money and helping them get more money, right? That's the financial industry in a nutshell. And I was always sort of jaded by that. And so it was a, a mission of mine to figure out how to, to be part of the solution. So I wanted to say, okay, how can we take everyday financial situations, and solve them with expert level people for like 20 bucks a month, right? And so that, that was the re- how we reverse engineered Hey Money. We said, we're going to take CFPs and we're going to take AFCs, which are accredited financial counselors. We're going to allow people to have a relationship with them and talk to them whenever they want, not to solve investment issues and all this, but to solve like, hey man, how much house can I afford? Or should I get out of this student loan debt before I start my, putting money in my 401k? Like, these questions that, of course, any CFP would answer, but you're not going to have access to that CFP because there's no model to accept it. So that's what we created. It launched 
perfect time, February of 2020. <laughs> if gone well here in the first year, obviously last year was a, a pretty weird time as a lot of people took water on, so to speak. But yeah, we were glad to be able to help hundreds and hundreds of families through that model. That's incredible. Yeah, I launched my business full-time in January of 2020. So I am dancing that same dance, my friend. But hey, we're still standing and we're moving forward and we're helping people in the process. So I think that's fantastic. And to your point on Hey Money, it sounds like a portion of the reason you started this is that because the majority of the questions that people really have about money aren't investing related or the ones that matter. Is that right? From a complexity standpoint, we believe there's sort of 10 levels of financial planning questions that exist, like 10. And we believe CFPs really focus on eight, nine, and 10, right? The complexity of issues. Most people's questions are one through eight though. So what happens to the one through eight? And, and, and so that's what we do. We do it in the workplace and we do it for individuals. We want everyone to have a relationship with a, a fee-based financial planner. We do. We set a lot of those up. Like we, we are not fee-based financial advisors. We're a subscription model that helps people with those questions. But every day people graduate out of our program and they go on to have a great relationship with a financial advisor. We, we make better clients for financial advisors. Excellent. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, where's the best place for people to check out Hey Money and maybe listen to your awesome podcast? Thank you. It's callheymoney.com. Callheymoney.com is that site. And uh, the Pete the Planner Show, wherever you get your podcast, just type in Pete the Planner. Hopefully the first search result is this interview that pops up. Maybe the SEO is so good <laughs> with your show <laughs> that ours pops up or yours pops up first. Maybe mine second or fifth. I don't know. And then you can listen and uh, hopefully you enjoy. Well, I'll put the link for both Hey Money and your awesome podcast in the show notes. I am a big fan of Pete's show. I listen to it every week and have done so for the past couple of years. It is a wealth of information and it's a nice relief outside of some of the financial jargon and some of the things that are shoved down our throats in the media world. So please check it out. Pete, the planner show. Pete, thank you so much for your time today. Andy, it's a pleasure. I do a lot of interviews, if I may. You give an excellent interview, so thank you for that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That means a lot. I loved the direction of that conversation. All about moving forward and looking forward. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Peter Dunn. Number one, calculate and track your power percentage. This is a smart way to track your financial progress, and I really like the way Pete and his team developed this. Take what you're putting in your investments, your savings, and the money you're putting against your debt each month, and divide that against your gross monthly income. That's your power percentage. So for example, if you have a gross monthly income of $5,000, and your investments, savings, and debt payments including your mortgage principal, as I saw on his website, add up to 1500 bucks, then your power percentage is 30%. Now, there's a bunch of other things that go into the formula, so I'm butchering it in a quick way so you guys understand it. But if you want to learn more about it, definitely go to his website, PeteThePlanner.com, and learn more about it. But in looking at his site, he shows that if you're at 10%, there's room for improvement. And if you are at 35% and above, you're a financial rock star. So, and there's many levels in between. So it'd be fun to calculate and then maybe track how you can improve that over time. Number two, leverage time or be a victim of time. We only have so many years left before we need to or want to retire. 
So how are you using those years? Pete is helping us realize today that saying, well, I'll start investing for retirement later can be a dangerous mantra. As we get older, the power of compound interest may not be as powerful as we need it to be to help us retire comfortably. Number three, create habits that stick. Pete and I went off on a exercise tangent there for a little bit, <laughs> but there's a major correlation between fitness and finance. The discipline it takes to stay healthy and fit is the same discipline you need to become financially fit. And that discipline comes from small daily actions compounding on each other. It's kind of like compound interest for retirement. <laughs> you don't need to become a millionaire today. Start with one small step you can do today. Can you increase your contributions to your workplace 401k today? Can you calculate your power percentage and see where you stand today? Can you save more to create a comfortable emergency fund today? What can you do today to give yourself a better tomorrow? I know I will be thinking about that question today. All right, those are my top three takeaways. I'd love to hear from you all on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Andy Hill MKM, and let's keep the conversation going. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing today's show and to Alec Collins for putting together our YouTube videos. You can check out our YouTube videos, including this interview with Pete at youtube.com slash marriage, kids, and money. We've got about 2,500 subscribers there and growing. So please check it out, hit the subscribe button and help me out with my little small business here. I'd really appreciate it. All right, before we go for the day, I want to encourage you to join our free Thriving Families Facebook community. You can join me and over 1,000 other families as we help each other thrive this year. One thing we like to do Wednesdays, we like to celebrate each other's wins. So last week, we heard this good news from our friend Melissa. I sold one of my rentals, and while I really just wanted to save the proceeds, I realized that I had gotten back into a bit more debt than I was comfortable with. So instead, I paid off all debt except the house and the car. I feel like I can breathe a bit more now and give myself a good fresh start on monthly cash flow going more towards savings and less towards debt. Melissa, that is awesome. Congratulations on selling that rental and what a probably good market to do that in right now. Everything's so hot and an intelligent use of the money and a, di a very disciplined decision. So we're talking about discipline today. It sounds like eliminating this debt from your life is going to reduce that stress. So kudos to you on making the decision to give yourself more joy today. Can I get a round of applause for my friend, Melissa? All right, Melissa, way to go. Congratulations. All right, if you wanna share your big wins with us and inspire others along the way like Melissa, please join us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. We'd love to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Abraham Lincoln. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Find that balance of enjoying today and planning for tomorrow, my friends. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.